Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. South Bay and friends. Today's scripture is going to come from the gospel according to John, sixth chapter, and we will start at the thirty seventh verse. I don't know if this is um, normal but can we get the lights down just a little bit up here I'm totally blinded (laughs) can we dim them just a little bit no (laughs) praise God (laughs) okay uh, gospel according to John chapter 6 beginning at verse 37 and it reads All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I come to you in the name of Jesus, just thanking and praising you for this opportunity of being here today. I thank you for all those that you've sent this morning. I thank you, Lord, for those who are on their way. But I'm asking you, Lord, please allow the Holy Spirit to take over this service. Allow your will to be done. Touch those that you have purposively set here today to hear what you have for them to hear. And Lord, whatever the outcome, we will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for only you are worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning again. I um, have spoken to you previously. I told the morning service, this one is different. This one is different, where it's amazing. When I thought I was trying to be obedient, I apparently was disobedient, which is par for the course for me. I... um, I actually began preparing myself to stand before you and speak weeks ago, which is not my normal nature. I told the morning group I was considered one of the most undisciplined students in graduate school the department had ever seen. 
couldn't figure out how the grades were coming out like they were. <laughs> and it wasn't me. I was being programmed and didn't know it. But I actually did my homework and I actually have <laughs> a message <laughs> that, <laughs> that is, uh, took a while to put together. Of course, my wife saw the papers and said, dude, that's too long. And I figured, well, it's the last week in the year. They can hang around a while. <laughs> and um, then yesterday, I decided to do something I've never done before. I've decided to give what I was going to say a dry run instead of just flowing. And got side swiped. I didn't expect it. The Lord, I prayed to him a lot. I don't hear a whole lot that he tells me half the time because it seems like I'm praying and I'm not hearing anything. But when he does speak, it amazes me. He said, get rid of it. And I said, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I did my homework this time. (laughs) And he says, no, what you wanted first, I want last. What you have last, I want first. You're putting your emphasis on the wrong part. So I came home looking shell-shocked because I didn't know what I was going to say in front of you today. And my wife noticed the difference. She said, what's wrong when she came home? And I told her, I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) But I finally did tell her what happened. And this is not going to be how I usually speak. (laughs) This is not going to be a psychological breakdown of the scriptures to show how they coincide. And how your mind actually does have to be renewed to renew your spirit. The direction I usually come from. Now, I'm going to ask that you pray for me throughout this process. And better take your pictures. You may not see me up here again. (laughs) But um, what I'm going to do. And it was so appropriate. Take me to the king. <laughs> that's, that's where we're going. The, um, originally, I was coming out of the book of Judges. I was going to talk about Samson. I really like Samson. Because I, I see so much of myself in Samson. In the book of Judges, if you want to read up on it, Samson, you can go to Judges when you get home. It's the 13th through the 16th chapters. Um, he reminds me of myself not because of the strength but because from beginning to end he was a knucklehead (laughs) Samson's mother was barren she could not have any children and as was the case with the prophet Samuel's mother as was the case with John the Baptist's mother these women couldn't have children And an angel of God came and told them, you're going to have a son. And this is, this is a son that's going to be sanctified. They're going to be different. I'm giving them purpose. In Samson's case, the mother was told, don't, don't drink in anything of the wine. Don't eat any, I mean of the vine. Don't eat any, drink any strong liquor. Don't eat any unclean food because he is mine from conception. And he will be a Nazarite when he is born. 
Nazarite, not to be confused with the Nazarene. Nazarene, Jesus was called a Nazarene. Nazarenes were folks that came from the city of Nazareth. A Nazarite was an individual that took a special vow. So to let you know you're even more set apart than the rest. Um, This vow could be taken temporarily. It could be taken for life. In Samson's case, it was for life. So he could not eat any raisins, could not eat any grapes, could not drink any wine, could not drink any liquor. He could not approach anything dead. He could not cut his hair. These are the vows of the Nazarite so that they can remain sanctified until they carry out their vow and their purpose. Now, Samson was also, of course, a Hebrew. So he had the Ten Commandments he had to follow right off the bat, the the law of Moses. And the Ten Commandments, put no other God before me. Um, Don't create any graven images representing heaven or earth through worship. Don't use my name in vain. Um, Honor the Sabbath. Honor your mother and your father. Don't steal, lie, kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't covet. Don't get jealous of what your neighbor has, including the mate. <laughs> get your own. Don't, <laughs> don't go after your neighbors. And uh, so he had all those rules to follow. And he grew up a man truly anointed. He was one of the judges at the time that the Philistines had taken over the majority of um, the promised land. Because they had not been obedient to eliminate him. And God produced him because he had purpose. He was God's selected one. And he went about abusing that from day one. (laughs) Found a a Philistine woman and decided, I want to marry her. Now his parents said, you know good and well, you got to marry a Hebrew. You're going to tell me all these Hebrew women you can't find a woman good enough for? You got to go over there? And the scriptures specifically tell you don't step outside of our, our, our group. Because they're going to pull you to worship their gods. So the first thing he does is he dishonors his mother and his father. And he doesn't ask them. He says, get her for me. (laughs) I I have no idea what it would be like raising a child that's stronger than you from birth almost. (laughs) (laughs) But I would consider that dishonor. (laughs) So they say, where is he? Well, Samson did something else. He leaves. He's He's from the tribe of Dan. He's a Danite. So he goes into the tribe of Judah. So he's going to cause trouble. He leaves his neighborhood and goes into someone else's neighborhood. (laughs) So he goes into Judah and to to Timnah. And mother and father come along and say, show us this woman. And on the way, a lion jumps out. Now, Samson's away from his parents. He kills the lion with his bare hands, throws him off on the side. You know the story of Samson. Goes on. They meet the girl. They say, okay, we'll... Come back and prepare a feast for the wedding. A month or so later, they come back. Samson goes off the side of the road to check out this dead lion. As in, don't touch anything dead. It's even worse than that. I mean, when I was doing the research, you get into to about the 11th chapter of Leviticus. Hebrews were not even allowed to touch a dead animal that had paws. I didn't even know all that detail was there. But Samson goes to check out the lion that he killed and bees have made a hive in him and have honey. So he scoops out the honey. Not only is he going to touch the thing, he's going to eat out of it. 
And I know the Lord's looking down at him saying, dishonoring your parents, (laughs) fouling yourself up, touching this dead animal. (laughs) And from what happens, you know what the Lord's opinion was? That's still my boy. So he goes and and gives his parents the honey. Doesn't even tell them where he got the nasty stuff from. <laughs> and they go into town and they set up the feast and the wedding. And the Philistines say, well, you got nobody with you. We'll give you 30 friends. So he's partying with these boys. Now, seven days, partying with, partying with Philistines, I can imagine, don't eat anything unclean, don't drink, don't, don't have any liquor that'd be like going to a party with Snoop Dogg saying there'll be no smoking there'll be no (laughs) drinking and I know guys looking down at this party thinking (laughs) but he's still my boy (laughs) so he gets this riddle and of course the riddle is basically about the lion and the honey and he tells the riddle to, to the friends and he says, if you can solve this riddle in seven days before the feast is up, I will give you 30 changes of clothing. If you can't solve it, you owe me 30 changes. And they said, okay, that's cool. And he tells them the riddle and it's translated a whole lot of different ways. But it's basically, <laughs> what is it that eats that comes out sweet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because <laughs> the eater gets eaten. <laughs> So, so they can't figure it out. So they jam up his wife and they say, you call us friends and you bring us here. So we have to give up these clothes and take stuff from us. Find out the answer to the riddle. So she cries and tells him, if you love me, you'll give me the answer. I didn't even tell my parents the riddle. Of course he didn't. He'd have been busted, but uh, I didn't even tell my parents. Why would I tell you? So she whines and whines and finally they come up on her and they say, look, you give us the answer to that riddle. Or we're going to burn you and your dad. Philistines. (laughs) So now she's a little desperate, crying a little harder. And he gives up the answer. And on the seventh day before the sun goes down, the buddies come together and say, "Uh, guess what, party boy? What's sweeter than honey? What's stronger than a lion? And he has a fit. You got that answer from my wife. I like the King James Version better. Had you not plowed with my heifer, you'd have never gotten that answer. (laughs) So, (laughs) so he goes off and says, forget everything, leaves the wedding, runs over into another town, Ascalon, and kills 30 Philistines to take their clothes from them. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not be around dead <laughs> corpses. And God's looking down at him, saying, this is my chosen one, but he's still my boy. <laughs> so he goes back, gives the clothes, and leaves everything. Leaves the woman, leaves everything. They think he's abandoned her. Shows up over half a year later deciding, I want to be with my wife now. And the father says, well, I thought you didn't want her. I gave her to one of your friends to, to wed. He said, oh, now you give me a reason to act a fool. 
So he goes out and he kills a multitude of Philistines just to pay payback. And I know God's looking down at this anointed one. <laughs> but then Samson decides, okay, I've killed all these folks. The Philistines say we got to get rid of him. So he runs deeper into Judah. And they say, look, we're going to wipe you guys out if you don't get him out of here. We want him. So Judah, 3,000 soldiers come to him where he's hiding out in this rock. He says, come on, dude, you're messing up our neighborhood. We got to turn you over to him. He said, OK, I'll, I'll let you turn me over to him, but you can't hurt me or kill me. They said, we're not going to hurt you or kill you. They got that plan. So they tied him up in new ropes and brought him. And of course, as soon as they surrendered him, there's a loud cry from the Philistines and boom, the ropes pop off of him like <laughs> thread over fire. And he kills a thousand of them. He's just wiping folks out. Picked up the jaw of a donkey and just beat them down. Now, he knew God gave him the strength to do that. And he shoots up his first prayer. So he humbly gets down on his knees. And he says, I can't believe this. You let me whip all these guys and now you're going to let me thirst to death? <laughs> Lord, thank God we have the Holy Spirit intervening on our prayers. And cleaning them up before they get to God. Because that sounds like some of our prayers. <laughs> so God gives him water. And he goes on, and now the Philistines are afraid of him, and he goes deeper into Gaza toward the ocean where they, where they are, the sea. And he sees a prostitute, and he lays with this prostitute, and they say, we got him now. Let's hang out at the gate and get him. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, never mind. <laughs> we know whose boy he is. <laughs> so he finds out they're waiting for him. He picks up the gate, the post, the bar that holds it and everything and, and walks this thing 38 miles to Hebron before he dumps it. And then he falls in love, and you know the story of Delilah. And he lied to Delilah three times before he finally told the truth. The strength is in the hair. So she gets the Philistines for 1,100 pieces of silver, turns him in. And they take his eyes out because when the hair is cut, the Lord finally steps back and says, you're still my boy, but I got to whip you somewhere along this way. <laughs> so he's in their prison grinding the, the, the grain and they, they're worshiping their God, Dagon. And they said, bring him on out for sport. We want to we want to mess with him. And that's when he's blind. He's, he's messed up. He's, he's lost his strength. And they're in this temple with these two central pillars holding up all these folks waiting for the entertainment. And he asked the little boy leading him, will you, will you just hook me up to the pillars in the center that are holding this place? <laughs> and then he puts up his second righteous Samson prayer. <laughs> Lord, look what they did to my eyes. Just give me my strength one more time so I can get them back. <laughs> And God looked down on him, shaking his head, and said, but he's still my boy. And gave him the strength to knock down those pillars and killed more in that one day 
than he did his entire life. Now, like I said, why did I tell you that story? I feel like I'm the conditioning coach. Preseason. That has to get the congregation together and ready for game time. 2014. I know Pastor Murphy has a plan for 2014 because he's a planning kind of guy. But if we aren't conditioned, and you know the conditioning coach, those of you that, that, that were athletes, that's the one you hated? Because <laughs> that's the one that's going to push you to do what you didn't want to do. That's the one that's going to make you uncomfortable. That's the, one, that's the one that you had all kind of wonderful things to say behind his back. And that's the one you were thankful for when the season started and you were in that final quarter and you still had energy and, and win and the other team was running out. <laughs> we got to get ready. I call this marching boldly into 2014. The Lord said he had another title for it. <laughs> He called it. But I told him, you know, I always tell the congregation, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an ordained minister. I'm a, I'm a therapist. So I try to come up with something innovative. I try to figure out something new, new, you know, tying psychology with the scriptures and pulling it together so that you can figure out how to apply this stuff. So he said, you, you want something new? His theme was new is as new does. And I scratched my head because I didn't understand that for weeks until yesterday when I just gave you a very, 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 very abbreviated Reader's Digest version of what I was supposed to do today. (laughs) And now we'll do what he told me to do. (laughs) For about the last three weeks to a month, I cannot tell you How many people, but especially members of this congregation, that have come to me, called me, and the issue was around salvation and belief. Now, what do I mean by that? Many thought they were saved, but they were not convinced That they hadn't done something so heinous, so bad in their past, that maybe somehow they weren't totally cleaned and saved. And others have come because they think they're saved, but they are not convinced they're saved because they keep doing the same thing over and over again that's wrong. And that's when I realized... Many individuals that attend this church don't know you're still his boy. You're still his girl. So I'm standing here to work on those with the question. I planned on just doing this as the closeout when I originally put it together my way. (laughs) And I had my wife type up scriptures 
that confirmed what I'm telling you and will tell you today. So that you don't think it's just Craig sitting up here running his mouth. Should I believe him? You shouldn't listen to anyone up here and take it for gospel. You need to get into the word and confirm whatever is being said. So I, I have them written out on a piece of paper. And this is basically what it comes down to. You are saved by your faith. Not by anything you do. It's your belief. And your belief of what? Your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Your belief that he died on the cross for your sins. The ultimate sacrifice. And that he defeated death. He rose from the dead. And he's alive today. So that any who believe, you are washed with his blood. So that yes, God, God can't look down on sin and not eliminate it. God knows all the little nasty, dirty things we do. But when he looks at you, all he sees is righteousness cleaned in blood. But there are many that don't feel they have that right and privilege. They don't feel they're worthy. And you're absolutely right. None of us are worthy. <laughs> he did it through grace and mercy and love. So there is nothing you could have done in your past that can prevent you from being a child of God. And once you are a child of God, he says, no one can take you out of my hand. There's nothing you are currently doing that can separate you from God. Nothing you can do that can take his love away from you. Now, if you can't be convinced of that, just think what he did in giving us his son to die. When we didn't even love him in the beginning. And there's nothing that you're going to do. Because yes each and every one of you are going to continue sinning. (laughs) And there's nothing you're going to be able to do. Once you have accepted his son as your Lord and Savior. That when he knows in his mind what he's done. When he looks down upon you. That you can't hear the thunderous roar of. That's my boy. That's my girl. Now, don't get confused. Don't mean you're not going to get your behind beat. Because <laughs> he also promises us, <laughs> it's because I do love you that I'm going to chastise you. I wouldn't care otherwise. But this message is short and sweet. I'm going to do something that this church doesn't normally do. Now, you can call it old school. You can call it um, pragmatic. You can call it legalistic. (laughs) You can call it uh, anything you want to call it. Formal? I call it necessary. (laughs) Necessary for two reasons. Necessary because I believe there are individuals in here that need it. 
and necessary because I don't want the whipping if I don't do it. (laughs) What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask those of you who know beyond a shadow of a doubt you know that you know that you know you're saved. I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray for me and pray for individuals that are sitting out here that are going to hear this and they know in their hearts they need to move. (laughs) And Satan's going to try to get them not to move. But we're going to pray that God gives them the courage and the boldness to move. Because I'm going to do what used to be referred to back in the day as opening the doors of the church. Now, I know this doesn't occur in this congregation very often. But from the calls I get, they are not all psychologically based. A lot of them are based on confusion. That's satanic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call and reach out to any of you who have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask that you come up here and I personally am going to escort you across the threshold so that you will know you have crossed every T dotted every I necessary according to the scriptures so that you no longer have to question am I saved and if there are any of you who think you're saved but you keep getting puzzled I think I'm saved but my belief seems to be wavering because I'm not sure I've crossed every T or dotted every I I haven't gone through what we would refer to as a rites of passage I haven't I haven't done the formal process. You're saved. But I'm going to escort you through anyway to eliminate that doubt. Because we don't have room for doubt in 2014. We got to get up boldly in March. And if you're still stumbling and wondering, am I his child? Am I a child of God? You're not going to be marching boldly enough. We just had our our Sunday school class, the couples class. And the last, or next to the last point in the class was asking, what's the difference between common sense and wisdom? Is there a difference? Is there a difference between common sense and wisdom? You bet you by golly. You bet you by golly. You bet you by golly. And he said, well, what's the difference between common sense and wisdom? Common sense is what you learn through life experiences. If you were told that stove is hot and you decided to touch it to test it out, common sense is going to tell you don't touch that stove again. Common sense can get in the way sometimes though from wisdom wisdom is given to you from God wisdom God gives you 
And God doesn't operate by logic. He operates by I am. (laughs) So when your pastor stands before you talking about bring on your tithes and your offerings. And you know that you made a certain amount of money. The amount I used in the class was $2,000. But your mortgage, your car, your car insurance, your food and everything else came to $1,990. That leaves you with 10 If you pay those other bills first. Now you know it's winter time and you need a roof over your head. And you know PG&E can't afford to get it cut off. And you don't want that car taken from you. What will common sense tell you to do? You better pay your bills. And we will rationalize and we will justify and we will twist the scriptures. And they say, well, it tells you to be a good steward. How can I be a good steward if I don't pay my bill? No, being the good steward was not making the bill you couldn't afford in the first place. (laughs) What will wisdom tell you? Wisdom will tell you, lean on the Lord. And you will be in that battle. Because if you use wisdom, the world will call you a fool. Oh, it's promised. (laughs) You will appear foolish to the world if you rely on wisdom rather than common sense. We need folks relying on the Lord, leaning on the Lord, depending on wisdom. If we're going to charge forth in 2014. Because I have a suspicion. We're going to be asked things. That are going to make no logical sense whatsoever. And either we're going to march and stand on it. Or we are not. So like I said. This isn't going to be a message. Where you get the innovative psychological studies. Proving this that and the other. That coincide with the Bible. This is just time to come home now. So I am going to now. Refer to what the Baptists call opening the doors of the church. You don't have to stand. I want you to sit and pray. If you know that you know that you know you're saved. Because we've got to pry up the ones that are here. That are questioning it. So we can get rid of that. Before we boldly march into 2014. If there are any of you. Who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you please be bold enough to come forward now. I'm going to escort you across the threshold. I'll be here with you. I'll make sure every T is crossed. Every I is dotted. But I know you're out there. This is the opportunity to be bold enough. To come forward. We're going to pray for you. We're going to do all that's necessary according to the scriptures. I will give you a sheet of paper backing what you've done in case you get weak when you're home. Questioning that I do everything correctly. But this is the time. Don't let it go. You can't afford to wait until 2014. You can't afford to wait another day. Because it's not promised. Anyone. Anyone. And then the second group. Well, you think you're saved. But you have questions. Have I done too much? 
Am I not doing enough? Did I miss something that would allow me to become part of the, the family? Come now. Come now so that I can escort you across. Don't be shy. Don't lose out on the opportunity. Don't lose out on the moment. Pray, saints, because I know they're in here. Pray. Okay. We started this with the mind. Take me to the king. I'm going to close with this comment. If you read the last verse in the book of Judges, the last verse closing the book of Judges says, In those days, they had no king. So everyone did what they thought was right in their own minds. They had no king. Everyone did what they thought was right in their own minds. This is all I know. I don't go by majority vote. I don't go by popular demand. I don't go by what everyone else is doing. This spells it out black and white. We have a king if you're willing to accept him as such. But you've got to come to him. Otherwise, you will get weak and you will do that which you think is right <laughs> in your own mind. All right. I will be available after service if you want to come up. And that's okay too. Nicodemus did it with Jesus. <laughs> It's okay, I will hang out in the front for a few moments after church if you want to come up and make sure that you've crossed that threshold. Amen? Happy New Year to you. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.